Hello and welcome to StarkCast. I'm Joe Stark, and today I'm talking with friend and fellow podcaster Stephen Redgrave of Dissecting This Fiction Podcast. What's up, dude? Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, excited to get you on the show. We uh, we we talked at C2E2 this year and uh, got you on the schedule, so here we are. <laughs> Can you believe that much time has passed since C2E2 already? <laughs> yeah, wow, yeah. I guess it's, it's ish. It was early uh, August, right? A couple months, couple months now already. Jesus, time has passed. Yeah, went by fast. It's starting to feel pretty cold out. Um, what part of the country are you in? Uh, California, the central. <laughs> so not feeling cold for you? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not cold enough. <laughs> no, we were we were triple digits for for many months, and I think it's like now getting to like high eighties. So it's getting better. Awesome. So have you lived in California your whole life? Yeah, yeah. Uh I lived in the Bay, NorCal, and then I moved to Bakersfield. Uh I guess I guess I guess almost ten years ago. Yeah. Okay. So have in you this... ever been to Yosemite? That's pretty close to the Bay Area. Oh yeah, yeah, I've been there. Oh, I'm so jealous, dude. I that's one of those places to where my wife and I talk about it all the time. We're like, we have got to go to Yos- Yosemite sometime and do those hikes there. It's just so amazing looking. Well, you you rock climb too, right? Yeah, but I don't think I'd go like half rock dome climb in would... the valley. That's not the sort of climbing I do. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's single well, pitch I, I'm sport climbing. What kind of climbings there are? So. Single pitch sport climbing was my jam. That was what it was called, and so that means you're climbing stuff that's. Less than like a half a rope length. So usually you're climbing stuff that's like less than 100 feet. Um, I've never done anything multi-pitch. And a lot of the stuff in the valley is multi-pitch. So it's like you're going up, you know, a couple hundred feet. And then you're belaying the other person up. And then they come up and meet you at that spot on the wall. And then you climb up higher. And then they came up and meet you. And then you do that all the way up. And each time you do that, it's called a pitch. And Yosemite's got like... I don't know, like 20 something, like 20 pitch fucking routes, you know, because like El Cap's like 3,000 feet. Like that's something that the the thought of doing that, it's inspiring and really cool watching the videos, but the thought of actually me doing that, I'm like, oh, no, I no. <laughs> that's, that's I, I can barely sort of go explain. up a ladder without being worried I'm going to fall. So I, <laughs> that's the way I am too, me. dude. Like my knees will get <laughs> shaky at the top of like a tall extension ladder. And and the the thought of being on a, a wall on the side of the valley is like fucking terrifying to me, <laughs> absolutely terrifying. But super inspiring to watch on video, and it's cool that other people do that. But there's there's so many disciplines in the sport that that was just not the one I did. But yeah, I I, I, I want to go to Yosemite just to hike. Oh yeah, yeah, They're, they have a lot of a lot of fun trails. Uh, although I think it's like just because you know the last few years, I think it's like really hard to get in or at least it had been for a while yeah i don't really know how that works but i know they have kind of a lottery system in in some parks where they only let x amount of people in and you like you might have to make a reservation beforehand or something yeah i think my dad because he took my mom there i think about six months ago and they they had to like do like a whole reservation and all that stuff it was like a whole process just to be able to go visit for a day wow wow yeah I, I, i've heard the uh the human impact in Yosemite is pretty massive just because of the sheer volume of visitors they get on an annual basis. Uh-huh. Oh, like the wildlife there, they they don't they don't care. They <laughs> I was within feet, a couple feet of like 
a buck one time when I went there for a weekend. <laughs> I was it was like near like the visiting center and everything. It wasn't like I was out in the wilderness. It was just like roaming by and and just didn't care. Had no concern that I was there. It's crazy. Those situations make for some of my favorite videos on the internet of of people. I think I took pictures of people fucking around and finding out. Or it's like oh, somebody yeah. <laughs> trying to take a selfie right in front of a fucking buffalo, and then that buffalo acts like a buffalo and runs their ass over. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I was very, very cautious. I, I was just like, oh, you're getting that close, are you? Just made sure I didn't uh, move too quickly or whatever. <laughs> I did not want to find out. Yeah, we 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 noticed that when we went to to Estes Park, Colorado, where like the elk would just walk through town there, like they just were totally nonplussed by living side by side with humans and basically just grazing and chilling in an urban environment. They didn't care. That's they, crazy. Like, there was enough grass for them to get by. <laughs> cool stuff, though. Um. Uh so yeah, with, with California. So what was that like living in the Bay Area? Did you grow up like in the city or outside the city? Uh, more suburban. Uh, I, I think I'm. I was about forty-ish minutes from San Francisco, so it was very like people called it. We lived in a bubble. It was very like pleasantville <laughs> it was literally called pleasanton so no shit wow <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. the, the idyllic childhood yeah pretty much it's like one of those things that like you didn't really appreciate until now that you're an adult and you don't have that environment anymore and you're like man that's what you strive for <laughs> having a family <laughs> oh man how old are you I am a 37. 37. Yeah, so I'm I'm turning 42 next week. And so we're pretty close to that same age where, you know, you're old enough to where you can look back on those idyllic days of childhood where there was no responsibility and the summers seemed to last forever. Oh yeah. And man, it's great. It's great when you're younger and you have no conception of time or much responsibility for anything beyond, you know, making it home before the street lights come on or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, California would be a cool place to grow up like that cuz me growing up in Iowa, you know, we had the season change, changes and stuff there and you probably don't get much for seasonal changes there, right? Yeah, you really don't. But like that's the kind of thing that like I'm kind of, I guess it's like the other side of the fence where it's like I kind of like wish I had those but, you know, when I'm in the middle of many inches of snow, I'm probably going to be like, F this. <laughs> but, yeah, it's really pretty uh, – yeah, there's not a whole lot of change. I mean, the, the winters get cold, but especially with, like, lately, there's not really a lot of rain. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so are you in like a like a place where you got to worry about like earthquakes and and wildfires and stuff like that um well, yeah wildfires all the time uh but that's just because people are stupid and throw cigarettes out windows and stuff when they drive by so yeah california is just like infamous for having fires constantly happening especially so is, in the is summer it pretty much the whole state then that's that has to worry it about pretty that? much yeah yikes yeah. Yeah, my uh, my aunt and uncle were uh, – there was a, a huge fire near Tahoe a f 
few years back and it just like caught quickly and and it just took out like many homes and one of their their home was a part of that whole thing so yeah like it's it's crazy I watched a, a climbing video that was showing about a bunch of climbs around Tahoe. That lake is beautiful. Yeah, it is. Really cold, but beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's like high elevation, right? Yeah. Yeah, I bet that is cold, but a very, very pretty color of blue. Um, I've never been to never been to California. I, I'm pretty sure the farthest west I've been is is Colorado. Okay. Yeah, definitely want to make it out there someday. There's so many parks there that I want to go to. uh, Yosemite, you know, being chief among them. I don't think I've even like. How old was I when I left California for the first time? I want to say I was an adult before I even went out of state. Hmm. Yeah. I, I feel like I traveled around. A little bit like with my parents, like I remember going to Wisconsin and, and, and Minnesota and, and stuff like that. But we didn't went to Colorado with them one time. Didn't get out too much. I I started traveling definitely a lot more once I became an adult. And, uh, the, the boys were asking me the other night how many states I've been to. I think I've been to not counting Iowa. I think I've been to 15 other states so far. Oh, nice. Like all the ones surrounding Iowa. Like almost like too deep. <laughs> like I, I've ventured in in kind of a large circle, <clears throat> where it's like I haven't gone too far south, I haven't gone too far north, or too far east. <laughs> yeah, I uh, we have a like a a map of the U.S. and it's like use like a coin to like scratch off where you've been, and so like we've been doing that slowly but surely <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty, it's pretty cool. fun wouldn't, yeah wouldn't it be neat to see like a like a, a a map of where all you've been in the world like similar to like like how the maps on like the world map on like warcraft worked where it's like it was all dark on that part of the map until you sent some little guy to go gather lumber in that area <laughs> and then there was like a little like if you could actually see one of like your life like that it'd be that kind of be funny really cool like mine would be weird because it would just be like a big area kind of in the center of the United States and like a very little area in a couple spots in Germany. <laughs> you could do like a time lapse of like seeing it move and <laughs> I, I suppose if we're doing it real uh, Warcraft style, then then the plane would have like left a trail going there and back, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's how old my gaming knowledge is, dude. I'm bringing up fucking Warcraft, something came out in like the mid nineties. Not even World of Warcraft, right? Just no, Warcraft. Ne- never even played World of Warcraft. <laughs> I'm talking original Warcraft. <laughs> Did you ever play that one? I played a little bit of that. I had a shitload of fun with that game when it first came out. There's still little catchphrases from that that I'll catch myself saying, you know, because you'd like click on the different characters and they'd say different things. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> Little things that get stuck in your brain and like echo for 30 years. It's like at this point I don't think it's ever going away. <laughs> uh so yeah, I know you are a uh you started a, a streaming channel uh playing uh Halo. So that's one of those games that I I I feel like because I got off to a bad introduction on Halo, I never gave it a fair shot. And like it was 
I was new to an Xbox. The controller was weird. And like, I couldn't even figure out how the fuck to move around because I'd never played a game where you had to like move with one joystick and move the camera with the other one. And so, oh, like, yeah. that, so I, I it was even... the uh, original Xbox, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you had the Duke controller. That's what they call it. <laughs> it must have been. I just it remember was the, huge. Like, I was so used to like the feeling of a PlayStation controller because I played the shit out of oh, my, yeah. my play, my, you know, my PS2. And then, man, getting that introduced to the Xbox, I was like, this thing is fucking whack. And, like, it'd just be like, you know, kill, kill, kill. And so it's like, I, I can't even figure out how to walk and move the camera at the same time. And so I got disgusted with the game and gave up on it right away. But I, I see from a lot of your posts online that you're pretty fucking good at it. Um, so, like, w- number one, what are sticky kills? <laughs> okay. Well, I'll say I'm not really good at it, Halo. I'm good at sticking people i'm above average i would say for just overall performance in the game but uh sticky kills are basically there's this grenade called the plasma grenade and you throw it and it sticks to to like the enemies or like the vehicles stuff that's on the map and so Basically, there's a metal for if you stick it on the enemy while they're moving or whatever, it'll blow up and then they it's basically a one hit kill. Uh, So I just stumbled across some site that gave you the the stats on, you know, what you've done with all these different metals and stuff. And then I was I looked at stickies and I was like 20 something in the world at the time. And, I, you know, then my the gears in my brain started turning and I was like, hmm, can I get to first? And so that's when my uh, obsession kind of started with that. And and I, I've always been kind of like, I want to do streaming, but like, I'm an old man now. Like, can I even do it? Is it like even logical to even try? But uh, I figured if I'm going to like try to like go for this number one, I uh, I'd started the streaming on Twitch and all that stuff. So I'm still like new and like not sure I'm doing it correctly, but I'm having fun. So what was your like introduction introduction to Halo? Was it with that that first Xbox? Um no, actually Halo 2 was more my thing. I, I did play Halo 1 with friends and stuff, but uh I didn't have the original Xbox until uh probably halfway through the life cycle of the console. Um yeah, Halo 2 was kind of my big dive into Halo because it had the Basically, it's kind of what started multiplayer on as a standard thing for for consoles. So I would play that. In fact, some of my best friends I met through Halo too. <laughs> they were like they they lived in the same city as me, but like I I met them through playing with friends I had who brought them into our party, and then like we ended up becoming close and stuff. And I've got relationships with all them <laughs> today. You know, that's awesome. Yeah. It's really cool when you find those cool welcoming corners of the internet, you know, that aren't filled with trolls and toxic people. I I mean, <laughs> that's why we're having this conversation, right? <laughs> Pretty uh, much, right? <laughs> podcasting and all that stuff. Pop culture leftovers, you know, like I joined that community. I've met such great people. You're one of them. And here we are now. Oh, the, yeah. The Leftover Army is like one of the best communities of people that that I've ever discovered. And there's so many amazing, talented, awesome, generous, friendly people in that group. And, and it's, it's, 
it's amazing that that we have the numbers in it that we have right now, and we really don't deal with that many problems. So it it, it doesn't seem to like I don't think there's that many closeted assholes that are in there. <laughs> Usually, those people work themselves out right away. Uh, the, yeah. the whole "don't be a dick" rule uh, really does some people in, and and it's amazing that that's all it takes is you know, hey, on this corner of the internet, please don't talk about politics and don't be a dick. <laughs> and the I only caveat really... is you have to be a fan of this this podcast. That's the connecting thread for everybody. Yeah. If you're are you a fan of PCL? If you listen to them for a little while, great. Join the Leftover Army page if you got Facebook. Answer the fucking questions. The admins aren't going to let you in if you don't answer those two questions. I'm getting down yeah. off my PSA sh- soapbox now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, dude, the Leftover Army's fucking great. And, uh, I mean, that, that goes to show with the, you know, the, how much fun we have at C2E2 when we get those gatherings every year. Um, personally, like I grew up in a small town. I, I live in a small town now. Uh, I've like, I, I lived in Cedar Rapids for like, I don't know, a couple years of my life. And, and I didn't like how, how busy that town was and, and how loud it constantly was. And it was like almost any time of night you would, or almost any time of day you'd go outside and you could hear fucking sirens somewhere. And it was mm-hmm. just always like, ugh. And Chicago is just that, you know, exponentially so much larger. And so for me to go like willingly go to a big city like that and like look forward to it. And then afterwards be like, it was so much fun. It's like really speaks to the quality of uh, the friends that I'm going there to hang out with because I am not inclined to like cities at all. It's just not my thing. I'm kind of in the same boat. I like when I lived in the Bay, if I went to San Francisco, less than a day is the most I can be there before I'm like, I, I, I want to go out of the city. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, that's my tolerance for it. It's just less than a day. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. But like like you said, like like with Chicago, like I had never been to Chicago until C2E2. I think the uh, the one before the pandemic was the first one I went to. Uh I was really shy. I don't know were I you at that one 2019? Yep. I was just okay. there on the Saturday night and I remember talking to you and your wife in, at the bar. Oh right, right, right. Okay. Yep. Yeah, so I Yeah, cuz I, I think you guys really were kind of sitting over in a corner. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. and I remember I'm, going over and, and and talking to you guys and dude the the first year I went I was really shy too and also it's like I I'm pretty engaging one on one but the larger of a group of people you get me around the more of like a wallflower I turn into and I just kind of get quiet and observe people mm-hmm. and I will talk to people that are kind of around me but I don't like doing like the loud stuff where it's I I don't like being the center of attention in like a physical group of people. Somehow I can make myself do it on a podcast microphone and it helps that I'm not on video, but, but I get very socially awkward. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, I do too. And I, (laughs) you know, I, like I I'm sure you could tell, like, especially like the PCL stuff, like my first episodes I was on there, like I was probably terrible and like, I said stupid shit and, uh, you know, I, I've obviously practiced and, and grown since that, you know, with our own podcast and like being on others and stuff. So, uh, but like, yeah, like it, it's definitely like getting out of your comfort zone for sure. And like that first C2E2, I did not get out of my comfort zone. And it sucked because <laughs> it was like, you know, I went all the way there to meet all these people. And I, I did talk to people, but like I didn't have the outward, uh, 
experience that I guess I wanted to have. But uh, this last one, I had a great time. I was, I felt like I did a 180 and I was just, I would, I wouldn't shut up. Really, I wouldn't. <laughs> I think I, uh, our conversation, I think I was drunk and I just stumbled over and started talking to you and like. And that was perfect. It <laughs> <laughs> was fucking perfect, dude. Th- this year, um, I've only ever gone on the Saturdays. And so every other time I've gone in the past, we've gone to this, this bar where we rented out our, a back room on it. And then mm. this year, instead, we just hung out like at the like the kind of the the outdoor patio that was right at the the venue there. And yeah. dude, it was perfect. It was like you could easily talk to everybody. It was it was a really fun place to chill. It was I don't know, I, yeah, I thought was... that this uh, 2022 C2E2 was fucking fantastic. Yeah, there was a lot of room. It was nice. A little bit uh, more humid than I would have liked, but. Yeah, it was a little toasty, <laughs> dude. Especially but during the I, I day, I run hot. So. I had to park at Chinatown, which was like several blocks away. I mean, it was like a nearly a thirty minute walk to to get from where I parked to McCormick Place, and it was in wow. the sun. It was like at noon. <laughs> it was hot as fuck, and I remember walking up and walking up the stairs, and being like, "I'm pretty sure." That this leads to the outdoor smoking area, and then sure enough, I get to the top of the steps and I see Jake and 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 Dan Hepner down a ways. I'm like, <laughs> all right, yep, I cho- I made the right choice, and some you know go up talk with Jake a little bit, and then because I was crashing with him and Brian and Philip, and so <laughs> so it was like I had to carry all my shit there, and like luckily I got like a nice hiking pack, so I just had all my stuff in there. But I bet I looked like a real weirdo hiking through downtown Chicago and like wearing a hiking pack. Hey, it's their own, you know? They don't know what you're <laughs> and, doing. And a Batman shirt. Maybe you have like a really cool hiking spot that nobody knows about. You're going to be thinking about that for days, weeks, maybe even years, wondering where it was. Oh, man. I'll, all I know is we – so I got there at noon, walked to the venue, and then walked back to the – back a ways to our hotel to drop off my bag and then back to the venue again. Ended up walking like 15 miles. When it was all said and done. And, uh, oh, wow. Yeah, it was fucking... My legs were so sore the next day. But we... And I ended up going to bed at like three. But I had had... Like, we'd gone to In-N-Out right before that. And were you with the group that went to In-N-Out? No. <laughs> there was a bunch we of us went that went. to White Castle one night. Okay, that's what it was. It was White Castle, not In and Out. Oh yeah, then yes, I was there. I, I don't know where did In and Out come from. I mean, that must have been wishful thinking. <laughs> so yeah, remember we went to White Castle, Chicago. We went to White Castle, and I got one of those giant freaking sodas there, and so I downed that entire thing, and then I'd had a Red Bull before that. So we get back to the hotel. I lay down on the floor, and I got like my little camping ground pad with me and shit, and like I am just wide awake because of the Red Bull and the Pepsi. And like every 20 minutes, I'm having to get up and piss. And so I think if I'm being generous, I probably fell asleep by four. But it was like fitful sleep where I kept waking up and just staring at the window and being like, it's still dark outside. You can't walk (laughs) to your car yet because you can't walk through downtown Chicago in the dark wearing a big hiking pack. Like you're just asking to get fucking mugged. (laughs) Like it would be such a terrible idea to do that. And so I'm like laying there just like hate watching the window being like, come on, son, come up, come up. I just want to fucking go. 
I'm not going to be able to sleep very good on this floor. I'm full of fucking Red Bull. I'm good to drive now. <laughs> you know, because I didn't drink at all. I mean, I think I had like one beer mm-hmm. like with lunch like earlier in the day. So it was like, I would have been fine to drive. Ugh, that was, it was still fun though. Always worth it. And that's yeah. how it always goes. It's like, you're going to be up until the wee hours of the morning and then you're going to get up while it's still the wee hours of the morning and drive home. Cause, cause with me, I only live like, like four hours away from Chicago. So it's, it's not that bad of a drive. Mm-hmm. See, it benefited us because we're two hours behind. So two, three AM for us feels a lot earlier. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so did you guys catch a flight in then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We took a flight. Uh although I, I don't know what the hell happened, but like uh what day did we leave? I think it was like Monday. We were supposed to leave and like our flight got canceled like right before we were supposed to leave to catch it and then they just booked us for the next day so we were there an entire day longer than we planned to be and so we had to go find another hotel because the one we were at was like gonna like charge us ridiculous rates because it was last minute and so we ended up ubering like across chicago to some other place and then yeah it was it was you know we had fun we went to a movie i think we saw uh bullet train we saw that in theaters while we were there what did you think of bullet train i loved it fuck yeah i loved it too dude i've been like it just dropped on digital recently and i've been really really thinking about buying it but i've kind of been waiting to see if it's going to drop on sale yeah i'm trying to think like it reminds me of some kind of reminds me of, like the old like lock stock two smoking barrels snatch those kind of movies which i mean obviously brad pitt was in snatch but like it kind of has that like vibe to me. It's very like yeah, absolutely. They're very like, smoking aces. They're, also, they're real characters, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then like kind of like a mix of, a mix of like uh, I guess Pulp Fiction with like the uh, Tangerine and and whatever Lemon was it? <laughs> yeah, Lemon and Tangerine. Which I will say, uh, seen uh, what's his name? The guy that's gonna be uh, Craven. Uh, see, seeing this movie, I'm like, okay, like this guy can act, and like I'm, I'm a lot more confident. Oh my god, this Craven. always happens to me. I could have told you his name 30 seconds ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I know his name. As soon as we like, yeah, it was kick-ass. Move on, I'll like, oh yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> John, Jonathan, something I want to say. I love it when this happens. It's always yeah, so much fun. it's fine. People listen to you like it's this, you idiot, and. <laughs> Aaron Taylor okay. Johnson. There we go. <laughs> it's like Aaron Taylor Joy. No, no, that's not it. <laughs> uh, that's tremendous. <laughs> yeah, he was fantastic in that, dude. Yeah, I, I didn't I, even know like that was him, him until after the movie, and I was looking through like the the credits on IMDb. And I was like, no fucking way. It's like he totally disappeared into that role for me. I didn't see mm-hmm. him in it like at all. Like, bravo. That was really, really good. I will say the only thing that's that I guess was a, a negative for me with that movie was I have this like toxic trait where I have to always predict what's going on like in my head and stuff. I don't like sit there and yell it out 
during movies, but like <laughs> I like it's so like the whole movie I'm trying to figure out which person is going to be the guy that they're talking about the whole oh, time for sure. mystery role. I make and, predictions and the, end, it's the just entire this, like, movie. <laughs> you don't know. It's just some guy that shows up later and like that was that. Like you didn't there was no foreshadowing of who he was and that guy was looking for it the whole time instead of just enjoying the ride <laughs> Dude, so I, like, that was like the one thing that sucked for i for do me. that sometimes too i'll, I'll overanalyze you know like plot structure and shit like that like i'll be watching a movie like i do this every time there's a rom-com that i'm watching i'm expecting the rom-com formula it's like okay they're having a great single life or not so great single life they meet the person they have a connection with the person. It's going really well. They have some sort of some sort of thing that challenges the relationship and puts it on rocks. Is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? I don't know. Then they meet up and they're happy in the end. That's the general formula for a rom-com, right? Mm. Every time I watch one, I'm waiting for that beat to happen. And most of the time, it does. <laughs> like That's why it's that cliched thing. But like I'm always looking for little beats and stuff like that where I'm just like, all right, that's what the, that's that's going to happen now. And so I love it when movies do stuff different and subvert those expectations and I think that's why I always enjoy those sorts of movies a lot where they, if they can pull the rug out from under me and do it in a way that doesn't make me hate what they just did, then I will generally applaud them for doing so and pulling it off because it's it's difficult, you know, we have those clichéd plot patterns like that for a reason and usually because it's a formula that works mm. have you seen uh pearl the the new a24 film no it's like a, I, a i've sequel not because, or because i haven't seen x. x yet and and i've heard that both of them are really really good but i remember seeing a trailer for pearl and just thinking, what the fuck that movie looks so wild and i was like immediately it, I was like, I, I kind of want to see this movie. And then the more I learned about it, I was like, oh, this is okay. I remember people talking about X. I kind of know what that movie's about. This is like a prequel for that character from X. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I, it felt way different tonally, though. Like, I think that it it's kind of like when you were talking about movies that don't really like match what you expect for the formula and stuff. And like that one, I to me, that would probably fit that description. It, just so different than what I thought it was going to be. But like, I, I loved every second of it. Oh, there's a, a movie that just dropped on, I think it's on Paramount plus called significant other that um, it's really good. I, I loved what they did. Like speaking of movies where, where they're able to take a plot line that you think, you know, what's going to happen. And then they're able to write it in a way that, that surprises you and pulls the rug out from under you in a very delightful way. Um, so that that's one that I'd highly recommend. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely like a, like a thriller, thriller type okay. movie. Um, it's got Jake Lacey in it too. I don't know if you watched white Lotus on HBO. No, I've been wanting to. Oh dude. What? Yeah. White Lotus was fantastic. Jake Lacey was in that and he plays, this like kind of like asshole husband guy that is like obsessed with getting the hotel manager like fired and like trying to like catch him in a lie and shit like that. And he's just plays this perfect like asshole boyfriend character to a T and like, 
I feel terrible saying this because like, I think he's a brilliant actor because every role that I've seen him in, like he convinces me like, like I, 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 it doesn't take much for him to make me believe that he's like this asshole boyfriend guy. And he's got this incredibly punchable face, which I think is, is kind of sad <laughs> for like, imagine like, you know how there's like the Hollywood like the way that Hollywood looks at some women and they're like, Oh, do they have this quote unquote fuckability factor type thing? Well, is oh, there like oh, a, yeah. another factor for dudes where it's like, like we're going to cast you in this role because you have a very punchable face. <laughs> like on the one hand, it's like, wow, I'm glad I have this redeeming quality. That's getting me lots of work. But on the other hand, a punchable face. <laughs> that being said, I love Jake Lacey. He's a great actor. Wasn't I'm trying to think? Wasn't he in the office as like well, I never an intern watched the or something? Office. Okay. Um, he looks familiar I, I couldn't to me. Do the cringe humor in it? Like I would tried watching the first season of The Office, and too many episodes made me like viscerally uncomfortable watching. And then people were like, "Yeah, that's the humor," and I'm like, "Oh, not for me." Sorry. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very dry. Uh, I will say like that, and it's not like it's something that's like, "Oh, you should go watch," you know, invest multiple seasons. But like for me, I felt like The Office. I think it really hit its strides probably like season two or three. But like. That's not to say, go jump in, you know, it's just like the humor stuff, you know, it's not for everybody. <laughs> My sister was a huge fan of it. Like she was, I, I think she was the one who gave me that first season, like on DVD. And she's like, oh, you have to watch this. And it's like, oh, I tried. I'm so sorry. I can't. <laughs> so do you, do you like, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm or, uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? I've never Is watched any of It's Sunny. And the I've only watched a handful of episodes of Curb, and all the ones I've watched of that I do like. So okay. it's, it, but in, but he does get into that cringe type stuff with with that. Yeah, yeah that's I, why I was interested. I think that Larry like David those. is otherwise so fucking funny that it yeah. just powers me through it, and I'm, it's like it doesn't affect me the same way that The Office did for whatever reason. Oh, I I've carried over rule like larry david rules in life like just into like my existence like i call people pig parkers if they park like assholes uh <laughs> pig parkers and like that's really great i don't know it's like it, when i first watched the show like obviously i was a lot younger and so like it was just funny but like now i'm like i'm starting to agree with his like logic and stuff it's not even really funny i'm just like you know what this guy's making a lot of sense <laughs> like, like this isn't even a joke no this is that's true there should be a rule for you know, blah blah such and such gosh the last episode i watched was the one where where he had the woman chauffeur and oh, yeah, seth rogan in it also god that was i was just crying laughing at that it was so funny <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had more yeah, time to episode. watch TV because there's so many shows that are like, oh, I would really, really love to like dig in and watch this. And but it's just they, there's not enough time in the day. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> we like, especially with like our podcast. We like when I first was trying to do it, I was like, clearly. Yeah, I, there was there was no way I was able to watch everything. I like in my head, I was gonna like watch all these things every week and stuff. And like, we really had to tone down how much content we actually covered. And like, it sucks, but like, it's just it's realistic. You can't. 
you know, like Brian, Jake, I don't know how they do it with PCL. Like they cover so much stuff weekly. It's just, it's insane. Oh yeah. I, no, it's, I, I can't, I can't do nearly that much stuff. <laughs> it's a heroic undertaking, you know, jumping into their, their watch list and actually having everything watched. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's an undertaking. It's fun though. <laughs> it is <Yeah>. fun. <laughs> What's cool, too, is that there's so many of those things that it's like, I probably wouldn't watch if it wasn't for the fact that it's like, oh, well, I'm going to be on PCL this upcoming week, and I have to watch this to be able to talk about it during Good Pop, Bad Pop. And then it's something that I would have never watched on my own, and then I watch it, and I'm like, oh, well, this was fucking delightful. Those are always the best, because I never would have oh, watched yeah. them on my own if it hadn't been for that push. And and that that's always really cool, and and it's fun to go on there and talk about them, and and you know, I've always had the the personality where, you know, I want I want to talk about the stuff that I'm into with my friends, and so, and so that it's it's pretty easy to do that show in that regard. Yeah, see, that's the thing that kind of got me into wanting the podcast too and stuff. It's just like none of my friends are really hardcore into like the fandom stuff of like Marvel and, and star Wars and, you know, DC and all that stuff. So like, I don't have that outlet necessarily to like get a beer with my friends and talk about that stuff. Cause you know, like, we have our hobbies and, you know, gaming and stuff, but like, that's not one of them. And so I think that's kind of where I, I grew into like these communities to like talk about this stuff with people and, yeah, it's, it's it's been great. Uh, I I remember years ago I did a, a comic book review show with uh, Jordan from the Supercast, and it, it started off with just Jordan and I talking through texting and being like, "Hey, we should start this and and talk about books." But then it was getting to the point where it was like we were trying to cover, I don't know, like two dozen fucking comic books in a single show, and it'd be like, "Dude, oh, this wow. is too much." Like, like we're getting ready to record the episode, and I know I read this book three days ago, but I couldn't tell you anything that happens between the front cover and the back cover. Not a single fucking thing. <laughs> and so then it just got to be like, that. Is, it's some point along the way, you've got to make a decision on the, the list of content that you're going to review per episode, because just trying to get through it all takes a lot of time. And then, you know, how long of an episode do you want to record to actually you know, give a review on all that stuff. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so what, what's the format you usually follow on dissecting this fiction? Uh, so usually we'll do our little intro and I like to like have some kind of new phrase thing that I do, uh, with the intro and then we'll go into, uh, shows or movies that we're interested in this week. Uh, that's coming out. We'll get into our news and then, reviews and then like sometimes there might be like a like a random section in there where we cover like a trailer or something oh right That's on fun. yeah and then we we'll go into our gaming I, i'm like so torn with like whether gaming should be its own podcast or not because the whole idea was that it was all together one podcast for convenience for people but like i don't know if that's limiting my ability to get somebody interested who only cares about movies or television versus who only cares about gaming. You know what I mean? Oh, sure. Sure. 
So like, I'm not, I don't know how the data is, <laughs> how the data really works out with all that <laughs> stuff. But like on Apple, I can't even see the data because it's like you're not popular enough to really even get data yet. So I, <laughs> I can't even like really guess whether I should try and swap them or whatever. But that would also be like twice as much work if we had two podcasts, right? So there is that, dude. I mean, unless you record them all in one go. And then when you're yeah. editing, you just edit it all and then just split it into two. But That's a good point. I could do that. Just do like a separate intro for the gaming and then. Yeah. That's an idea. <laughs> uh, there is like so much content on like right now between, you know, Marvel and Star Wars and then with fantasy stuff with Rings of Power and House of the Dragon. Are you watching any of that stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm watching uh, both the Lord of the Rings and the Game of Thrones stuff. Um, I'm not, like, really knowledgeable about those things. So, like, I'm just kind of enjoying the ride. So, wait, we're not really doing, like, a a spoiler cast or anything for that stuff. But I'm I'm having fun with it. Oh, nice. Um, me and, and Brian and Jake from PCL – and Billy Blinks from the Reality Guys are, are doing a, a breakdown show of uh, for Rings of Power called uh, PCLOTR, and mm-hmm. and that's been really fun doing that every week. And it's uh, the the deep dives into all the Tolkien stuff with this have been really really fun. And I feel like I've gotten way more out of the show than I might have otherwise. And I don't know. I I really don't haven't been. Uh, haven't been vibing with any of the hate for the show online. I've I've been absolutely absolutely pleased with every episode we've gotten so far. What's been your take so far of of season 1 of Rings of Power? I think it's been great. Like it it feels like a movie. Like it just the the caliber, it just seems like it's like far above what I've seen even with Game of Thrones. It's it's crazy and like I don't necessarily know these characters, but like I, you know, you can kind of tell like who's supposed to be like the trademark of, you know, this character from the movies and all that stuff. And, you know, you, you know who's like what role for, for the, the general viewer and stuff like that. Oh yeah. That it has some of those kind of same beats, like, yeah. like how there's the, the great, you know, friendship between Legolas and Gimli in, in the Peter Jackson movies. Mm-hmm. Well, in this show, yeah, yeah. there's a really fantastic relationship between Elrond and Prince Durin the was it Durin the fourth and uh man that's been some of my favorite parts of the show like the conversations between Elrond and Durin have been the things that have consistently made me tear up the most often while watching this show because this is like a thousand years before right yeah, yeah, it's okay. it's a long ass time ago. Yeah, so there's going to be a lot of generations in between of people. Okay. Yes, yeah, <laughs> I I actually started the first episode that you guys did for the for the uh, the show, um, and I was just like, wow, you guys, I, I don't know anything what you guys are talking about, but you guys clearly know what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> although of, I have noticed, lots of Elven uh, names, <laughs> I have noticed. Um, there's been a character that I am familiar with through uh, the video games, uh, Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of War. Have you played those or know about those? Uh, no, Billy was telling me about him, though. Okay, yeah. So, like, there's a character who he's like an elf that, like, 
I think he's the one. He's like a blacksmith that that made the ring or Kel- something. Keller, from what I understand. Yeah, and I think he's shown up in the show. Yes, and so like I'm trying to figure out like is this going to be something that like ties to like I don't that could just be like you know its own thing and not tied to like the the canon. I don't know if that's what they're doing oh, or not. No, but, they, like, they have to I follow would the canon. See if they brought in like characters from what I've experienced with the game and kind of tie it into this story because I imagine this is not a one-off season. I assume they're going many seasons, and so I think they're I doing like that, four or five. Yeah, I expect that character to be a bigger role. Oh, absolutely. Because I think we've only seen him like once. Yeah. Maybe uh, twice so far, a couple scenes. Uh, just recently, an article came out where the showrunners were talking about their process in, you know, working with the Tolkien estate to, to get permission to do this. And the thing that, that the Tolkien estate really liked was they offered them a seat at the table like, creatively, where it's like, you can actively, you know, veto ideas we have. And their big thing was you can't do anything in this show that contradicts what Tolkien wrote. And so they can do a lot of stuff playing around in the corners, but they can't do anything that's going to outright change the texts. And in the hmm. text, Celebrimbor was a, an elven lord in Eriador that uh, at some point during the Second Age, this person called calling himself Anatar, the Lord of Gifts, shows up in Eriador and offers to teach him how to make these rings of power so that the elves can use it to preserve their lands and keep them from decaying, which is, you know, part of the natural world, but the elves mm-hmm. want their realms to be timeless like they are, and so that's what they want these rings to do. And uh it goes poorly <laughs> because like uh, uh, Anatar is actually Sauron in an, under his fair gaze or fair um, form, so like he doesn't look like somebody who's evil, and and he teaches Celebrimbor how to make these rings, and together they forge sixteen rings of power, and then Anatar leaves, and then Celebrimbor forges three more that he does by himself, and those were the the three Elven rings, and then Sauron goes to Mount Doom, makes the One Ring, and then when he puts it on. Celebrimbor and the other elven lords immediately sense him and realize that, oh, Anatar's actually Sauron and he's really fucking evil. And so then Sauron's like, hey, give me those 16 rings back. And Celebrimbor's like, I don't think I will. And so then Sauron marches on Eriador, besieges it, and eventually, spoiler lady, he kills Celebrimbor and they hang his body up as a battle standard while they go into battle against the other elves. So they just carry Celebrimbor's dead body up on a flagpole for several battles, marching oh, wow. across Middle Earth. If they don't do that shit in the show, I'm going to be so disappointed because <laughs> that is so fucking metal that, like, oh my god, it's amazing. See, I only know the character as a spirit who wants vengeance on. Now you see why he wants vengeance. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, I mean, the way I understood, which is like, it, it was like. His family was killed, and he wants vengeance for that. But this is a little bit more uh, drastic of a <laughs> scenario. <laughs> oh, dude! I but because of this show, it's been making me do these huge deep dives into Tolkien's lore, and it's been so much fun, so much fun. Because, like that guy, like. Like, I, I've been working on writing a fantasy epic for many years now. And, like, 
like I feel like it's a pretty big comprehensive world that I've created and it's fucking nothing. It is absolutely nothing compared to what Tolkien did. Like it's like standing next to a fucking it's like standing next to Mount Everest. And like, well, your accomplishment is like a little molehill in the dirt. <laughs> and it's like, dude, like, like, praise to you, J.R.R. Tolkien. Like, you did something that was so incredible that I don't think, I don't think any other author would be able to touch it. I mean, he made up several fucking languages, not one, several with actual alphabets. And they're languages that make sense because the guy was like a linguist, linguistic professor. So, like, in the show, when they, like, are speaking different languages, like, that's actually, actually the them translating languages. what, what the, the words would be that they would say? Yes. When you hear the elves talk in the show, they're mostly speaking Quenya. And then there's huh. also Sildarin. Uh, but most of these elves, the most of the elvish language we're getting in the show so far is uh, uh, Quenya. Which, which I've been, <laughs> like, because... We do these breakdown shows, and it's like the stranger, the guy that's, you know, that came down from, like, the comet or whatever. Like, when he's, like, doing spells, like, he's, like, shouting stuff up or shouting words in in Quenya. And so then it's like, you got to say it phonetically, like, write it out phonetically. And then I'm, like, scrolling through, like, all these, like, translations of Quenya to English, like, trying to figure out what the fuck this guy just said. (laughs) I have a question for you. I, yes. I don't know if this is considered a spoiler, so I guess is it okay that I still ask? Yeah, I do uh, about about that guy. I interpreted that as he's like a wizard, right? Is that am I wrong, dude? That's the same way I'm looking at it. Like I, I was like, like if, if I was we like, want to step in, he's supposed to be like the first wizard uh, that we know of. Like I don't like that's what my first instinct was. He was just a wizard, but like I know like you know the internet people are like, oh, is he? Sauron and like I I, I never thought that at all. I but I, no, I didn't I, I go th- into the I think show thinking wizard. we were trying to figure out who's Sauron. I thought it was just kind of like we're just waiting for him to show up. It, it could be <laughs> if we're all getting if we're all getting our hopes up with this. Um, okay, so we're gonna go into some Rings of Power potential spoiler talk here. So if you haven't seen the season, you know maybe dip ahead a little bit. But um, so. With this, there, there's this huge theory going on of is Halbrand, who's this very much a human character who's supposed to be this lost king from the Southlands, is he actually Sauron? Because there is all sorts of foreshadowing in episodes two through seven so far, where it's like, oh my god, I could totally see this. As and he's the he's the one that was on the the on ship, the right? raft, the, or the the raft thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That Galadriel meets, you know, in the Sundering Seas, and then they go to Numenor together, and all that. But there's so many things where it's like this totally lines up. This is this is Sauron in his fair form. But could that just be the the fan base just like wildly speculating and like getting totally ahead of ourselves, like because. The fandom did that with WandaVision. Like, we were so convinced <laughs> about, about Mephisto yeah, and, and all this other that stuff. that was going to happen. Yeah, right? Did. Because – but all those breadcrumbs were there, right? But – or yeah. was it just – it just happened to be like that and we just put together a trail that that wasn't. Like, we were just making up our own words in the word find. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we're not yeah. actually picking things out that they're intended to do. But it doesn't feel like the case with Rings of Power. Like, it feels like they're too 
deliberate. And and so that's where I am on that. I'm I'm pretty firmly in the the Halbrand is definitely Sauron in his fair form camp myself. But when it comes to the the stranger, I think he's it's going to turn out to be Gandalf because. Okay, so see, far, I didn't think of it, oh, go as ahead. it being actually Gandalf. I just thought it was like just a wizard, maybe like one of the first that we've ever. It could have been because there's five of them that, that came to Middle Earth, and there's two of them. That in the text it says that they came in the second age, and they're not mentioned anymore at all because they had nothing to do with any of the stuff. Like they pretty much just went way far east, and they were they were called the Blue Wizards. And then later on, three more came, and that would have been uh, like uh, Radagast or whatever his name is, uh, Gandalf and Saruman. And but to me, it's like okay, we already have. This is the rings of power. We have seen two of the bearers of the elven rings so far. Galadriel's going to end up with one of them, and Elrond's going to end up with one of them. Gandalf is going to be the third person that's going to end up with one of those elven rings of power. So it would make sense. Elrond and Galadriel are in this show. Why not have the other ring bearer of the elven ring in the show as well? And there's so many things that line up with Gandalf's personality farther down the line. And then when people argue and say, oh, well, Gandalf came to Middle-earth in the Third Age. And it's like, well, there's also nothing in the records about Harfoots. There's nothing about hobbits until they actually formed the Shire. And this is back before the Shire was formed. So if Gandalf fell in with people that weren't even in the history books to begin with, then this jives with the text and it's okay. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's so many so people the, who are so butthurt about these sorts of things, though. But to me, I just kind of laugh at it. It's like you're just grasping at straws to hate a show that's really fucking good. So the group of people that he's with is not hobbits? Not yet. Oh, okay. I just assumed that they were just like different, like, colony of hobbits. Eventually. <laughs> See, that's how, like, that's of, how oblivious I am to like, what's happening. <laughs> I'm just like, I know that the main elf lady is from the movies. That can like see into your whatever, right? She can like, yes, she can like see the future or something like that. Yes. Well, yeah, kind of. She's got like that, that looking mirror that, that she can, that she shows Frodo the future in and, and yeah, she's, she's pretty uh, wild. Like I I really need to go through because Peter Jackson, a lot of people look at the, the Peter Jackson movies and be like, they're exactly like the books. And it's like, no, they're not. He made lots and lots of changes, and at the time, lots oh, of people I heard about that too. <laughs> I've actually never read the books. I, I it's like really intimidating. <laughs> I'm not gonna <laughs> lie to you, point, dude. It's, I'm like, it's, I don't know. It's, if it's kind of a tedious read at times. I'm not gonna lie, but it's also okay. a fucking fantastically brilliant read overall. But I mean, it's it's a very thick book, <laughs> and, and it's got lots of poems and songs and stuff like that in it as well, and. And lots of branches out to history lessons, lots of really weird elven names. And so just as a, a text to just jump into, if you're not already practiced in like reading and being able to kind of understand high fantasy con- concepts and stuff like that, Lord of the Rings can be very hard to read. I remember it confusing the fuck out of me the first time I read it. Okay. Whereas like The Hobbit, The Hobbit reads like a kid's book. The Hobbit's fucking, The Hobbit's just all around good fun. See, that's the one I heard that the movies were like really bad compared to the the source <laughs> material for The Hobbit. The Hobbit in paperback is like a half an inch thick. It's like a very slender book. 
And I remember hearing the news that they were doing it in three movies, and I was like, fucking how? I think it was supposed to be two, and then they decided to make it three, right? I think that's what happened. Probably. Hollywood has got a throbbing boner for, for fucking <laughs> trilogies, dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, is it going to be a trilogy? It's like, does it need to be three movies? Of course, like, Harvey fucking Weinstein, Weinstein wanted to do the Peter Jackson movies as two. That piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> they they did one of the piece, orcs like in the that movie mound. to look like him too, which I think is fantastic. I think he was he was in uh Jurassic Park, right? He played the pile of shit. And <laughs> the Triceratops fan. They certainly look like twins. Yeah. <laughs> I saw I saw some news blurb about him the other day where he was like trying to get some judge to 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 make it so that the prison dentist couldn't pull his teeth out or some shit like that. It's like, dude, oh, good. Fuck you. <laughs> Fucking scumbag. It's nice to nice when 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 people who need to have their comeuppance get it. And they get yeah. it in this life. It's fucking, it's beautiful. And it doesn't happen near as often as it should. Oh, yeah. I'm all for revenge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or oh. just, I guess not revenge necessarily, but uh, justice, I guess I would say. There's a movie about that that's coming out. I just saw the trailer for it earlier. It's called She Said. And it's a dramatization of the whole, like, yeah. journalistic investigation into the Harvey Weinstein thing stuff. Is it all going to take place by the seashore? <laughs> I don't know. I, I I just looked at it and I was like, well, you know, it's it's it, on the one hand, it's kind of weird that Hollywood is doing a movie about a predator in Hollywood, but then it's on the other hand, it's like, yeah. oh, of course they are. And Hulu already did it. <laughs> Which Hulu one? <laughs> just predator. Or oh. I guess it was Prey. <laughs> Dude, that movie was the shit. What did you think it of that? It was so good. See, people want... Uh, everyone's talking about the samurai for that movie, right? Like, give me like a like a 300 type tie-in. Like, make them like where like they're like a part of history. Like, and like it kind of like ties into like how they have impacted historical events. You know, like that could explain how the 300 Spartans won that war, you know, like, I don't know, something cool like that. Oh, they did not win that war. <laughs> they they well, just okay, held okay. them off yes, long yes. enough. I, well, yeah, yeah. The, sorry, it did yes. not it end did well for Leonidas and his 300. <laughs> but uh, that battle, I guess I should say. <laughs> the, the, the hot gates of Thermopylae. Uh, I remember watching a two-hour documentary about that one time. My wife was just ready to put her head through the fucking drywall. She was so bored with it. And I was just like where, totally where eating it up. were watching that? Oh, it was on like History Channel years and years ago after oh, 300 okay. first came out. Okay. I, I've still got it ripped onto a DVD-R somewhere around here. Because I, I remember I recorded it and she was like, you're fucking recording this? Like you're going to watch it again? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, I love uh, Greek mythology and, and history and all that stuff. I think it's so cool. Oh, yeah, dude. Greek mythology is fantastic. Viking mythology is fantastic. Like, I, I love it. It's, it's, you know, it's, they, they were some of the first stories, the, the oral traditions that were passed down. And 
I don't know. It's so cool to me. I, I really, really like those stories like that. The, some of the ones that I'm starting to get into more are with, uh, the, uh, religions in, in India with like, um, oh shit. I'm so terrible at remembering the names of those gods with like Shiva and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's yeah. some, I remember there was, I don't remember what podcast it was on. Do you know who Duncan Trussell is? No. So Duncan Trussell is the stand up comic that, um, he's, He's got a really weird viewpoint to where he's he kind of knows a lot about those different religions and stuff. And like he works a lot of it like into the stuff he talks about. He's fantastic on a podcast, too. And so he was on a podcast and he was talking about some some book that that's like one of the the Indian religions. And he was saying that this one creature, this one God is like, I think he's talking to like a king or something that he became friends with. And then he shows him like his actual form and he's basically like a giant with like that is like eating people. And and then he like like goes back to him in his regular form and he says like someday I will appear before you in the dressed in the costume of your death. And I was like that is some fucking metal language right there. I will appear before (laughs) you like dressed in the costume of your death like holy shit but basically saying you know like i'm you know i might seem like your friend but i'm i'm a god and one day i will you know come to take you and it's like wow that's fucking wild i never did catch what book it, or anything it was from but it's it's one of those things that just immediately sets something off in my brain where i'm like oh that's interesting i'm 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 very curious to know more about this but I don't know. That's one of those things where it's like you hear something in a podcast, and if you listen to podcasts like all day at work during the week, sometimes it's like I'm just hearing them and I'm not actually listening to them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it's like I don't get a hundred percent of the info, and I'm just left with little tidbits that are just fascinating. Yeah, I would love. Uh, I know he's not really popular these days, but Ridley Scott, I would love to see him do like a. Odyssey or something like that, some kind of crazy Greek story, and then just put his spin on it. There was a made-for-TV movie about the Odyssey that came out in the nineties. Oh yeah, yeah, it was like on NBC or something, right? <laughs> With Armando, Sante. I watched that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I remember that. Yeah, it was all about that. I got it on VHS tape. I'm pretty sure Aiden has it in his closet now, where I found it in storage, and I was like, "Oh, this is the shit." <laughs> I don't Odyssey's remember how sad good story, it looked, though. but like I feel like it. I don't remember it not being pretty good quality for its time. It's fucking good enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, that's the stuff I miss. Is like those like, I guess it's because of streaming services. But like, I, I miss those like event things on television. You oh know? yeah, miniseries. Yeah, or like just like when like a movie comes to television and it's like a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I remember like Jurassic <laughs> days Park are gone. was like, I won't say it was probably NBC or something or Fox, but it was just like, it was just so exciting that it was going to be on TV. Like you, you might have already had it on VHS, but you could like watch it on TV now, you know, <laughs> sometimes Shittier, it but... seem like there were certain <laughs> movies that you'd watch. And if it was playing on network TV, it would have movies in it that or scenes in it that weren't in the theatrical cut of the movie. And I always thought that that was pretty fascinating, where it's like, why aren't they playing the regular version? What's this whole new scene here that I've never seen before? 
Like, have you, do you ever notice that? No, I haven't. I can't think of any specific examples off the top of my head, but I I definitely remember that being especially a thing. if they like cut out stuff to like fit for their timing for the broadcast. You well, think that's usually the thing. It's like, how did they stuff. stretch this to, to to make time? Like that makes no sense. Well, if they're going to stretch it. They're going to stretch it with commercials, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is that. Yeah, I made the mistake of watching. We were in a uh, Maui for a family vacation and I made the mistake of watching the like Jaws marathon like one night when we were there. <laughs> While you're on like a seaside vacation. <laughs> yeah. Very smart. <laughs> yeah. Planning to go to the ocean the next day. And uh man, the the commercials were so annoying. It was just like I swear there was more commercials than there was the movies. It was just it was insane how long you had to wait between <laughs> just to watch the movie. Oh, dude. Yeah. We've been tightening our budget up where we can. And so I've switched from like the, the Hulu premium to the Hulu with ads. And so that's fun. Starting to slowly get ads back into my life again. But otherwise, I, I don't really watch any terrestrial TV. So really, the only ads I get are the ones that are built into streaming services now. Yeah. I mean, we we don't have cable here, but like we were just watching whatever was on the television at night. But um, see, I I'm torn with like the whole idea of paying for ads because it's like I get why they do it, but like it pisses me off because it's like if you look at television, you're paying for television. They have the ads, right? But then people were like, "Well, I don't want the ads anymore, so I'm going to go to streaming services and stuff." And that's where it was. It started to get popular, but now they're putting ads on them, and then charging you more. But if you see how much money these companies actually make just off the ad sales, it's insane. And they don't need to be charging people to to not have the ads. They're just doing it because they can. Oh, for sure. It's like that. Those people are missing out on that revenue. And so as soon as they realized, oh, we can we can make more money if we just why don't we just fucking interrupt somebody's show right in the middle of it and play this fucking ad for something that nobody gives a shit about. But, you know, hey, that was I mean, the way we did it in the TV days. So we, we all we need to make we want to make as much money as possible. We don't want to be leaving money on the table. I mean, look at how many like uh, Wheel of Fortune and stuff. Like how long have they been in business? You know, price is right. You know? <laughs> they're making all of their money off of of the ad sales and stuff and like that's how they keep the show going and it's just like i don't know it's 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 a loss <laughs> for me because like i know i'm gonna have to pay for no ads at some point but like i i tried to uh <laughs> avoid paying the extra fees just because i feel like it's it's bullshit Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm there with you, but I I've been paying for YouTube Premium for <laughs> for like several years now. And see, that's the only one I've never used. So what is YouTube Premium? Is it just like television it's but no ads through your internet? It's it's no ads before any of the videos. I can I can have a video playing and shut the screen off on my phone or I can have a video playing and switch to a different app. Uh, I think those are the, the big things that YouTube premium allows. Oh, and then it also gives you access to YouTube music, which is kind of like a competitor to Spotify. So I actually got rid of my Spotify 
account also because I'm like, well, fuck him. I get YouTube music for free and I never use it. And I've been using it for a couple of weeks now and it's it's fine. Mm. But so you get to actually watch like TV shows and stuff. It's not just no, that's whatever YouTube the YouTube. TV. Okay. So this is just to be able to watch random YouTube channels without ads in between. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. You think they would just lump those together? <laughs> the the TV and the premium and like well the the TV YouTube TV is pretty expensive I think it's like seventy dollars a month or something like that whereas like yeah. YouTube Premium I think is maybe twelve something like that I don't know my wife primarily listens to music on YouTube and so every time that when we have the budget conversation when we whenever that one gets on the chopping block she's always like fuck that I'm not going to ads and I'm like I respect that. like i i hate ads too and like the more i've heard that like youtube's starting to get pretty crazy with their ads too like they just keep tacking on a little bit longer ones 15 second can't skip it yeah i i have noticed because i've been watching some stuff lately and like it's always also in the most inconvenient spot of the video so i'll have to like rewind a little bit because it, I feel like it cuts off part of whatever you were watching. Jeez. And then, you know, if it's an election year, I'm sure the majority of the ads you're seeing are all political ads, and those things suck ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I never really – I don't watch YouTube enough that I never really ever really paid attention to the ads. But, yeah, I, I could see how that could be a problem for people that, like, use it a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, we basically have it going all day, <laughs> just, like, listening to music and stuff like that. Gotcha. Yeah. We have – so we had Spotify without – uh, we didn't have the premium. We just had like, with one with ads. But, like, podcasts, for whatever reason, they wouldn't put ads in. And so I never really experienced ads on Spotify until – Oh, that's cool. We started listening to music because I don't really listen to music a whole lot. But then I started doing it and then I was like, what the hell is this? And it was just like (laughs) – it was like culture shock for me. It's like, wait, what? Because I'm so used to just listening to like podcasts that are – like you know, you just download the podcast and that's it. You don't have to worry about stuff in them. Yeah, they're not going to stuff their own ads in the middle of it. Yeah. Yeah, that shit's rough. But, you know, hey, this is – that's – People want to people want to make that money, and I get it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna lie at all. So some corporation reached out to me, and they're like, like we love what you're doing on Startcast, and 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 we are going to we want to monetize your show. I'd be like, boy, where do I sign up? <laughs> I'd put ads in the middle of this thing in a fucking heartbeat. And if anybody bitched about it, <laughs> I'd be like, I'd be like, hey, do you see that 15 second skip forward button on your phone? You fucking use it, you knothead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like why wouldn't you want to get paid to do a fucking podcast it's like now it's the opposite i i pay a monthly fee to host the fucking thing yeah right that's <laughs> i i just use the um anchor because it's free dude but i've like, been thinking about switching but it's like it always makes me that's the thing is like i've kind of done research like i'm kind of like wondering like if i were to start paying for a different one that like would that improve my searchability and all that stuff like is there a limitation or is it all the same like i just don't know i don't, don't want to go i don't think that that's really the money it. if it's not going to make a difference you know i i don't think it would really make a difference i think with podcasting a lot of it has to do with how well you're able to market it yourself okay and 
with me, I, I fucking suck at marketing. Like, <laughs> I don't even consistently do like a you like a Twitter post. <laughs> that the yeah, I'm terrible with social media and like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just I don't like it. I don't like posting things on social media. I, I, it's it's not, exhausting. It is. It's it fucking is exhausting. way exhausting. Like again, props to Brian because like the amount of stuff that he posts for for PCL is just unreal. Like on top of. <laughs> doing the actual podcast and like yeah absolutely. i'm just like I, I i've opened up i think i have the twitter facebook and i open instagram like an idiot which is way more limiting so like i don't know why i did it and so like i'm just like so i have to post this on three things <laughs> <laughs> i gotta figure out how to get it over there without like you know doing like, the the formatting you need for everything is all different it's really annoying. <laughs> this is why, like the the shows that are like actually paid and make like a fair amount of money. That's why they have like a producer that does the social media shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that shit is fucking tedious, and and also it's like I'm not, I'm not just like sitting around fucking like thumb typing shit all day, like mm-hmm. messages and and stuff. Like I'll get like. The, like, the social media app that I spend the most amount of time on is Reddit, and, like, I think I've maybe posted, like, six comments on all of Reddit over, like, the, the several years that I've had an account. It's like, that's not really the way I use it. I, I use it more, more like an observer reader. Yeah, like, I, I use it yeah. to find interesting articles and stuff like that. Like, like, I almost never put anything on, like, my actual, like, Joe Stark Facebook like mm-hmm. the, like last weekend, I posted something up about going fishing because it had been so long since I'd gone fishing, which that was, <laughs> dude, oh my God, I almost forgot about this. So I'm a, my, my mom and dad have a, a cabin on this river that's right close to the small town that I grew up at. And, um, and the, the river's really, really low right now. And my dad's got like a little aluminum John boat. And, and he's got a dock that's down on the water. And so he's got the boat tied off to the dock and I'm just sitting in the back of the boat fishing and hadn't gone fishing in like 20 years. So this was really, really fun and relaxing. And I was just catching little like six inch catfish, not even worth keeping, but it was just fun to catch them. And, uh, and then my wife and sister-in-law came down and they wanted to go across the river. And so I like look across the river and I'm like, fuck, it's only like 30 yards or so. And I, I really didn't want to go through the hassle of, of, you know, starting the boat motor to go such a short distance. And my dad wasn't even out there at the time. And so I didn't want to take his boat without talking to him, you know, like actually starting it up and stuff. And so I just grabbed an oar and just like rowed us across the river and then got this idea in my head that it would be so much easier to get back to the dock if we, if I could get the boat like way on to like the upriver end of this sandbar. So then we'd be able to just float down to the dock rather than me having to battle the current. And dude, it was, it was like a monkey fucking a football trying to get this. <laughs> like w- where the channel was actually at, like it was so narrow that the water was running so swiftly that it was like, I had to paddle literally as hard as I could to like, just incrementally move upstream. And if I got within like, 10 yards of the sandbar it was only like six inches of water and so the bottom of the boat would would hit the sand and just ground to a halt and so i was like this is fucking terrible and 
I eventually decide to <laughs> that like at first I, there was a couple of kids over there with us. And so I was trying to get them to pull the boat up river and just walk, you know, where it was six inches deep. And even with nobody in the boat, it was still dragging. And so they eventually get the boat back over into the sand. And I'm like, Hey, just walk upstream. I'm going to just, you know, row. I will meet you guys up there. And so I start pushing the boat out away from the sandbar and like, it starts like free floating. And so I've still got like a couple feet of sand in front of me before I'm in water and I'm wearing like jeans and tennis shoes. I do not want to get in the water. And so I give the boat a good push and then just jump up and land on my knees on the bow of the boat. And as soon as I did that, the boat dropped down further and it hit sand on the bottom and came to a dead stop. And so all that inertia I got going was I was the only one carrying it at that point. And so I went flying face first down into the boat and like drilled my jaw onto the bench seat and like, (laughs) oh, wow, (laughs) oh dude, it was so bad. I had a big knot on my jaw like I got punched in the face for like three days afterwards. It was fucking wild. The like bruises going up my side, like on my on my hip and on my arm and stuff like that from like making contact in the bottom of the boat. And so, yeah, my my peaceful trip of fishing in the river turned (laughs) into a giant fucking painful, sweaty fucking nightmare. Yeah, so it wasn't, wasn't so peaceful. No, no. And in the end, if I had just left the boat there and just gone for the walk and then got back in and then just rowed across and then where there was no channel, no swift current over by the docks, I could have easily just rowed us upstream. I would have saved us, saved myself so much sweat and pain. <laughs> uh, live and learn, though. I got to do yep. it the hard way. I got to do yep. it the hard way first. That's the way, the way I've always fucking been. <laughs> did you ever do much fishing or anything like that growing up in california no um i mean i did it like once or twice when i was really young but i don't think i ever caught anything all right on yeah i uh i don't know i, I i've never really understood the uh enjoyment of fishing but like i feel i don't know, I, just, I feel like i'm missing out because like i don't <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't have the urge to do it, but like it seems like everyone really enjoys it. So I just don't know <laughs> what I'm missing, I guess. It was nice for me. I just I just sat down there, I was all by myself, and so it was peaceful. And I was just sitting outside and just kind of enjoying nature and then had a podcast going just playing from my phone speaker. Nice. And so it was just kind of sitting there and just listening to podcasts and just fishing. It was it was very peaceful and and fun. Like I said, I hadn't done it in like like close to 20 years, probably like I had to go and get new line, put on my reels and everything. It was, uh, bought a fishing license. And so I'm going to try and I got this next week on vacation. So I'm going to try and get out fishing with my dad at least once. So like that stuff confuses me too. Like I have buddies who like do fishing quite a lot and like they're talking about how they have to have a license for certain types of fish. And I'm just like, but how do you know what kind of fish you're going to catch? Like I, I'm just like an idiot. I don't understand how you. Yeah, I didn't know there was license, license for different types of fish. Type of fish. It's like, but like, you don't know what fish you're going to catch. I don't. It, I don't know. It, well, it could just be maybe you can only keep those ones because I know with like bass fishing in Iowa, there's a a length limit to where if if they're under this amount of inches, you have to throw them back. And mm. if you get stopped by the DNR, and that's like the Department of Natural Resources, so like park rangers, 
mm-hmm. you get stopped by them and they inspect your catch and they see a bass in there and they eyeball it and think, oh, that's small. And then they pull out the tape measure. If it's under that, that you're fucked. You're going to get in a lot of trouble. Like they, they are very serious about enforcing those like poaching laws like that. Um, even enforcing like I, I remember one time uh, a friend of mine was out fishing and um, they weren't the one actually fishing. But a kid was fishing on the bank and they caught a fish and they were all excited and they didn't know what to do with it. And so she just took the pole to just hold it while they went to go get their dad. And a park ranger pulled up while she's <laughs> holding this pole and she, he's like, fishing license. And she's like, oh, I didn't catch this. I'm just holding it for her. It didn't take that for an answer and she got a ticket. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I think it was over a hundred bucks. <laughs> That's crazy. He might have taken the Snoopy pole with him too. I don't know. I mean, if I got a ticket for that, like I'm, I'm keeping the pole and the fish. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, if if they're busting you with like a, a fish that's too small, like they're gonna write you the ticket and they're gonna like take the fish away from you. They're not gonna let you keep it. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. They they get really serious about that stuff. I remember when I took because I took Hunter's safety when I was I think like eleven or twelve years old, and. And I remember them talking about, because there's different rules for, like, if you go pheasant hunting, I'm pretty sure you can't shoot female pheasants. You can only shoot the males. And even if, like, say you go out and you're a poacher and you shoot a bunch of female uh, pheasants and then you just clean them, you know, right out there in the woods and you're just bringing the meat back, there's a way that they can measure, like, the the breasts on the meat that you cut off and they can tell even. And it's like, oh, Dang, shit. Like, that's, that's like a whole underground thing I didn't know about. <laughs> yeah, it's like, they're going to fucking get you. <laughs> I have a buddy who went to, like, Texas recently. And, like, I don't, it was, like, for, like, a work thing. And then, like, they went to do – it's, like, a season that they go and shoot a bunch of dove or something crazy because, like, they're overpopulated. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, dove hunting. And I was – like, this is all news to me. Like, that's a thing that, that they want people to, like – lower the population of doves in, in areas. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. that that's one of the parts of hunting that, that a lot of people who are anti hunting don't understand is that it's, it's necessary. Part of hunting is part of conservation because like, if you just suddenly stop hunting white tailed deer, bad things are going to happen. They're going to hugely overpopulate in the way that mother nature takes where it takes care of overpopulation and animal groups is usually by disease. Which, which can have compounding effects. And mm. so it's much better to just let hunters go out and ethically take a, you know, a, a, a number of animals that's been predetermined by biologists that are out there studying these herds and they make determinations on the fly. And they're like, oh, you can t- you need to cull X amount of these, of these animals from this herd this year to maintain a, sel- a safe population. So they don't have like they don't tag ones that are like this one specifically you can hunt. No. Okay, okay. <laughs> no, they, they don't get down that far. I was like, there's like this one's gonna die. Go ahead and hunt this one. And and most like like the way that my dad I've like I've always really respected the way my dad approaches hunting because like he he will look at, at different bucks and stuff where he's like, you know, oh this wouldn't be the right time to shoot this buck because it's if I if I let this one go now. Like, in a few years, he's going to be much bigger. Like, ideally, right now, you're going to want to try and go for, like, the biggest one that you can see, the biggest, oldest one you can see to make way for a new young one to come up. 
You know mm. what I mean? But generally, those ones yeah. that are really big and really old and gray, they don't get that way by being stupid. They're, they're fucking crafty deer. <laughs> so you're usually not going to catch them by surprise. Um, yeah. I, I always really enjoyed that part of hunting. Um, the first time I ever killed a deer, though, it bummed me out. And so I, I never Honestly, went back to deer hunting. But I love shooting birds. That shit was fun. I don't see. I That's the thing is, like, I'm a huge hypocrite because, like, I really enjoy meat. But, like, I honestly don't think I could ever hunt. Like, I just, I don't think I could <laughs> do it and not feel terrible. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I mean, because, like, like I've I've always been a very empathetic person. And, and after I shot that first deer, uh, you know, I just, like, got really in my head about it. And yeah, also, it's I, like, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of, of eating deer meat. And so it's like, it isn't like I'm killing this thing because... I'm super stoked to eat deer meat. It was like more, no, I mm-hmm. just wanted to go out and do something that I'm like connecting with my dad on his level. This is deer yeah. hunting super important to him. And so I wanted it to be super important to me. And like the first hunting that I remember really doing with my dad a lot was going out duck hunting. And that was always so much fun because I was just like a little kid and getting up, you know, while it's still dark out, driving out, getting in dad's truck, going out to the cabin, loading up in the boat, like meeting dad's friends out there all loading up in the boat together crossing the river you know walking through the woods all with like flashlights and shit and then setting up in the duck blind before the sun even comes up and then basically just like sitting there on these cold fall mornings shivering like on this bench seat in the duck blind and just listening to dad and his friends like bullshit while they're drinking coffee out of thermoses and i remember like being so cold that I would try coffee and just be sitting there drinking black <laughs> coffee as like a 12 year old being like, this is horrible, but I'm having the most fun out here with my dad and his friends. And then the fact that like, I've always been a pretty remarkable shot with a shotgun. So it made it pretty easy to get respect from those guys that, mm. you know, when, when it doesn't like I was fucking up the hunt. And so that that was super fun. And then graduating up to deer hunting, I thought it was going to be more of the same. And it was just so much different. And 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 shooting a deer was just different. Like with ducks, like I love eating duck. I love eating pheasant. I uh, love eating turkey. Like th- those sorts of things were just super fun. And for whatever reason, fuck birds. I don't mm-hmm. care. <laughs> but with that deer, <laughs> dude, I felt so bad when I shot that. And it was, it was. It was just like a, it was a few months older than Bambi. Like, I remember when we got up on it, my dad was like, wow, I'm surprised it doesn't still have spots. Like, it was such a young deer. And Aww. yeah, it, bu- it bummed me out. But I'll tell you what, dude, if I were out in the woods and I was starving, I'd kill a deer with a fucking rock and eat it. <laughs> <laughs> but I totally get what you're saying, though. Like, yeah. I, I much prefer just going to the meat counter at the grocery store and just yeah, getting and meat like, that, a, like, like a civilized person. Um, but, you know, I I can get it the other way if I wanted. But the thought of like, oh, I want to have chicken tonight. Oh, I'm going to have to go out and wring one of the yard birds' necks, pluck out a bunch of feathers, gut the fucking thing. Like, man, what a what a tremendous amount of work. Whoa, hit my mic. Yeah. Totally happy to let, I just, let the local I butcher do, do that. I couldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> but like i have like respect for people that like are capable of doing it and like yeah like i have a buddy who lives in oklahoma and he's always out deer hunting and stuff and like really you know knowledgeable and stuff it's just i couldn't do it myself and i just i know i couldn't 
<laughs> well, I think with me too, I started earlier because I, I started like with cleaning fish. And and like we would we would catch these big giant flathead catfish that that there's like enough blood in those things to where before you clean them, you pretty much have to like cut their tail off and then hang them up so that their head is up and their tail is down and let blood drip out of them for you got to like bleed them for a little while. Oh wow. And then and then you clean them the rest of the way. But from a very young age like I I learned how to clean catfish, but they're so fucking easy to clean. Cuz most fish have got scales, but catfish mm-hmm. is a kind where it has skin. And so a catfish it's it's like you just got to put like a little incision like kind of behind their gills. There's like a little bone right there. So you just do an up down incision there. A little incision going along the spine at the top and like kind of a little slanting one along the belly. And then you've got these things that are like, they're basically pliers, but like, it's like, um, kind of like a, a wide flat surface that pinches down almost like a pair of tweezers. Like, so like imagine a pair of tweezers that's like an inch and a half wide, right? But you can grip them like a pair of pliers. And so you grab that skin with those. And so it's like you hold that skin with the pliers in one hand and basically just hold that fish by its head on the other and just peel the skin off of it. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then you've got like this beautiful fillet sitting right there. And then you just put your fillet knife under it and just glide it along top of the bones and just are, take that thing off and then just drop it in a bowl of water. And you're like, this is ah, a, dumb question. a perfect little fillet of catfish ready for the fryer. <laughs> dumb question for you. Shoot. Are catfish the ones that people like will go... And put their fists into like a yes a hole, and then like let them bite them, and then pull them out. Noodling, yes. Dude, okay. And I grew up hearing stories. Those things are huge. I grew up hearing stories about that from the because when mom and dad bought their cabin in '82, there was already a bunch of like old guys down there that that had cabins and had had them for years. And so when I was just a little kid, you know, they would come back with catching all these fish, and I was so excited that I knew how to clean fish that like. I would just walk over and just show up at the cleaning table with my pl- with my skin and pliers and my fillet knife and be like, little Joe's ready to help. <laughs> Look, I, I want to hear you guys' stories and, and just be present, you know, and, and help you guys do this. And also it was so exciting because they would catch these just giant, I mean, they'd be pulling 40, 50 pound catfish out of the river. Oh, that's so crazy. Fucking huge, dude. Their heads would be bigger than mine when I was like a little kid. Like we got this one picture somewhere that's like a, totally early 90s picture it's hilarious the clothing that i'm wearing it's so loud but i'm holding up this flathead catfish and i'm like holding it by its gills oh no this was pre-jinkos okay (laughs) (laughs) no lots of crazy like neon colors and shit like that this was like late 80s early 90s in that area um but yeah i'm holding this catfish up and its head is as big as mine in in the picture but but i remember cleaning fish with those guys and oh fuck, I don't even remember where I was going with that story. Oh, noodling. They would tell yeah. stories about parking their boats like uh like right upstream from like a log jam and then dropping the anchor and like going down with like basically holding the anchor when they dropped down. And so it would take them down to the bottom and then they would feel their way up the bank and feel for holes in the bank. And then they would just reach their arm in the bank and just pull out what whatever was in there. And they'd tell me stories about pulling out big giant catfish. Uh, the ones that really freaked me out was they said that they would pull eels out sometimes. And so I remember yeah, I always I being thinking, super like, creeped out that they're like, there's fucking eels in there. Cause I was always like, dad had a ladder off the end of the dock so we could just run and jump in. And so like, I fucking, 
grew up swimming in that river. And like, you almost couldn't fucking pay me to get in it now, dude. <laughs> like the, the benefit of looking at the river through the eyes of an adult going, that's fucking icky. Yeah. And I'm not getting in there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go home and get in my chlorinated pool in the backyard. And stuff. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll yeah. enjoy my three and a half feet of clear chlorinated filtered water. <laughs> when we were at the uh, ocean on our trip, uh, we did like s- snorkeling or whatever. But like, what I didn't realize, because I don't usually go to the ocean, is that like there's like a barrier between the shore and like where you do the snorkeling of like coral reef that's just kind of like really tall and it makes it hard to get past to actually get you can be hitting your knees and <laughs> hurting yourself just to like enjoy it. Yeah, and, that sounds terrifying to me. <laughs> like, yeah, coral and like, reef can like fucking cut you also. And then it's like if you're bleeding yeah, in yeah. the ocean. I have I have some uh cuts on my knees and stuff from it. Oh fuck that. Dude. <laughs> and then I was thinking too, like because you know we went to an aquarium like I think a day before that, and it's like they're showing all these like cool fish and stuff that are like local and like some of them are poisonous and like <laughs> you're just like what am what am I potentially going to step on? Oh, right. That is just going to F me up. <laughs> <laughs> I know. The thought of not being like at the top of the food chain is very concerning to me. And, and it's one of those ways that oh, I'm yeah. very spoiled living in Iowa because we're, we're pretty much at the top of the food chain almost everywhere you're going to go here. I have like a whole like protocol plan that if a shark attacked i was going to grab its gills and rip them out and like i was just like i was <laughs> overly smash. prepared because of that cause marathon <laughs> you seem like such a mellow happy guy i can't imagine you raging out on a shark <laughs> well you know this is like fight or flight you know like if, no i if, get it i get it you the shark like that's what i'm gonna have to do like i'll feel shitty about it maybe for years but See, people identify me the same way. They're like, you're so happy and smiling. And it's like, but there's darkness beneath the surface. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like if, if you're the unlucky creature that provokes and, and unlocks and opens that darkness, then woe is you, my friend. Like, like there I was a point in time in my life. Widow the other day. There was a point in time in my it, life but... where I almost like wanted somebody to mug me. Where it's like, I fucking <laughs> dare you to provoke me to open this bottle of fucking rage that I've been holding. <laughs> like, it would almost be like, like, so like, give me your wallet. Be like, oh, dude, you have no idea how much I needed this. As I'm like cracking my knuckles. <laughs> You're like walking around with like a decoy wallet just so that, uh, <laughs> no shit. To lure somebody in. <laughs> <laughs> you got like a fake 50 hanging out of your sock yeah and something like yeah that. you're just trying to bait him in <laughs> and and really it's one of those fake 50s that like christian assholes leave on tables where <laughs> it's like the real tip is finding jesus <laughs> get the fuck out of here you just thought someone just was getting out. a 50 dollar tip you asshole carry one of those like uh like in the the old cartoons, like the money bags for the bank were just like big brown bags with like a money sign on them. <laughs> yes. Just carry one of those around, see if that lures somebody in. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I heard a story that Gene Simmons from Kiss um, uh, trademarked that symbol of the 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 sack with a dollar sign on it. 
you can do that? <laughs> Is it per- just like a general like thing? It's not like it's like a specific. But let me look. Let me look this. I don't. I, that's crazy. If you could do that, I know. Like, how was it? Some. I think some artist or something tried to copyright her name, but it was like a very generic name. So like, they're like, no. <laughs> yeah, here's an article from the Inquisitor. From August 19th, 2017, Gene, Gene Simmons says he has no regrets about filing a trademark. Um, or no, here's the, the article name is Gene Simmons says he owns the money bag logo. So, okay. there you go. I mean, are people trying to use that often? It's pretty outdated, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't think it's really a concern. Well, I, I think... <laughs> Now I'm going back. I, I'm I'm not gonna like put pa- play, hit pause and like read this whole article and shit. But <laughs> Google this if you really care to know. But this the original story I'd heard about that how I knew that was he was trying to get a Kiss Monopoly game going, and and Parker Brothers was like fuck you we're not doing that. And so he trademarked that money bag symbol and basically held them hostage and said I'm gonna mm. sue you for using my trademark label in your games. Or you can make a Kiss Monopoly game, and we'll call it Square. And that, and there's a Kiss Monopoly game. So that's the story I heard, is that he trademarked that to basically strong-arm them into doing it. But also, from that that little bit of searching I did, there's other articles being like, all the dumb trademarks Gene Simmons claims to own. <laughs> so I think this is something that he just does. So he's like the guy who goes and tries to predict what's going to be like the the big website address that uh, like a big company is going to want to use and then <laughs> yeah, sell exactly. it to them. Yeah, now exactly. I'm looking at my I'm looking like the the emojis on text to see if like that even exists in there. Yeah, there is one. <laughs> so so theoretically he gets paid for that being an emoji? Yeah, I don't I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Like, if I was the guy who had to like decide on cutting costs, I'd be like, all right, well, the uh, <laughs> the money, money back emoji's got to go because it's, it's uh, got to go. Yeah, we we, we got to pay I Gene Simmons otherwise. It. <laughs> oh, geez. Well, that was kind of like a uh uh like one of the plot points on one of the episodes of She Hulk was that somebody to was Titania. Uh, oh yeah, trademarked yeah she hulk name and she had to go yeah. and go, go to go yeah, go to court to get it back yeah um, i just got caught up with that i'd gotten two episodes behind and i just got caught up with she hulk today i thought it was really good it's getting better i i've been enjoying it i think it's really yeah it's fun and it's different and, and i like just that it's kind of silly like i feel like i don't have to put my serious hat on when i watch yeah She-Hulk. yeah See, okay, so we we did like an anatomy episode for our podcast where we covered like the first three episodes and like oh excellent. I so I was gonna my intent was to do like every three, but like then three we saw the next three and like I feel like this is all filler. Like there's nothing really. I don't know. That was my perspective. It was like there's not really much that we can really make an episode with this. So like I basically just decided that we're just gonna finish out the whole rest of the show and then do a part two with all of it. But like, that's the thing is like, it's not bad. Like it's fun. It's entertaining. But like, I guess for me, I wanted to, it to have some kind of more baseline 
plot and it's not really giving us that it's really just kind of following her along in her kooky scenarios that she's dealing with at work and yeah personal life and like that's fine like i'm having a good time it's just it's not what i guess i thought we were going to be getting it's not so impactful at least not yet to the greater mcu it's just kind of a a light introduction to the character yeah there was one impactful thing that was just casually mentioned in the last episode and um it was that the Sokovia Accords have been repealed. Yeah, I caught that. And which I, like, which I was like, oh, shit. Already? I was like, really? That When I heard that, I was like, I wonder if that's like a, kind of like you said, it was just kind of like a, a throwaway thing to kind of update the, sh- the the MCU universe without having to like go deep into it with a movie or something. Or if it was, we already knew this and I just wasn't paying attention. No, I think that's that's the first time it's been explicitly said. And the first thing it made me think is, what the fuck authority is damage control running around operating under then? It, because it's like, I thought damage control yeah. was operating because they're like, oh, well, we have the accords and we have to enforce the accords. That's like, true. I thought they'd even actually said that. Was that Miss Marvel that they were, they said stuff like that? I, it feels like it could have been Miss Marvel. Maybe it was. Or, no or way did home. it come from, yeah, exactly. No way home. Yeah, I don't know. I have to That's go back a good and rewatch point. them. I kind of wonder if they're going to like evolve into like being aim or something stupid like that where. I mean, definitely there's we, we saw with some of those characters in in Miss Marvel that there's definitely bad eggs in that group, mm-hmm. but then there's also good ones, too. So it'd be interesting to see what will happen with that. Is it going to be a splinter group or is is the whole thing just going to. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll have yeah. to wait and see. I really think they're setting up a lot, though and she hulk with uh with with hulk himself like i think they're playing it off like it's just this like throwaway thing but i think that's going to be a big impact on the future of of the mcu oh i agree i think they're setting us up for this this series is doing a lot i think to set up for world war hulk that's what i'm thinking too um especially because did you notice that one text message that was sent it was going to king hulk I did see that, but I didn't know if that was like a, just somebody just having like a fun name or whatever. See, because I was thinking that King Hulk might have been a reference to to the Hulk's kid that in the comics he sired on on Sakaar. Mm-hmm. And then he left, and then that kid eventually came looking for his dad, and he was pretty not happy about it. And so Was that Scar? Yes. Yeah, okay. And so I'm I'm curious if if that's the storyline they're going to be pulling uh from when they do World War Hulk. That's kind of what I'm thinking is the the whole intro with him getting contacted by uh Sakar is going to be that he either has that. a kid or there's somebody who's taken over since they left and that he need basically they're going to redo Planet Hulk without it being Planet Hulk. You know, to because they didn't have the Red King or whatever it was called in Thor. Yeah, yeah, they, Ragnarok. Yeah, because they they just pretty liberally. <laughs> I mean, they, basically, you know, they, they did that with every story through Thor because Thor does come in like save the day at the end of that comic run, if I remember right. But <laughs> yes. like this, they just kind of flipped it around. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, let's pause real quick. Okay. All right, we're back. Where were we? Marvel. Yeah. 
so yeah, I definitely think they're setting up uh, Hulk to have a bigger role uh, with what they're doing. And I am kind of curious though, it, kind of with what they're doing with Captain Marvel, or at least what it looks like they're going to be doing with Captain Marvel. I kind of wonder if they might swap out Scar for Hulkling, even though he's not technically his son. If like maybe they'll do some kind of a tie-in with that character being between the uh, the two races, the the scrolls and the Cree. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm kind of tie like into that. like secret invasion and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, God, they're going in so many different directions right now with all the different things that are on the slate. Mm-hmm. It, it's pretty wild, dude. Phase five and six are going to be fun as hell. Yeah, yeah. I know people are really critical about this phase so far that it's not really up to the, you know the standards that people have been expecting. But like, I, I think that they're just kind of in this limbo of like they need to really bring in like these characters and then they can start having the fun. You know, like phase one wasn't anything special it was you know one-off movies yeah and so like it really wasn't till the first avengers movie that it you know really like laid the (laughs) the groundwork for what people love so yeah i agree and and i knew that this was coming where it's like they just wrapped on infinity war and in endgame it's like that was the culmination so they have to start this entire big machine over again from square one. It's going to be a little slow from the start. And also with the popularity it has now and with the access to Disney plus, they're able to do things that they didn't do in phase one. And, mm-hmm. and so it's like, I'm, you know, I just, at this point, I just trusting Kevin Feige and I'm going along with it. Um, it it's kind of like pizza for me, you know, even when it's bad, it's still pretty good. Um, yeah, <laughs> but I, I do think that the Disney plus stuff, has watered down their brand a little bit. Uh, it has. Definitely it. not getting more of the CGI stuff comes in. And then when we heard more about, you know, complaints from the VFX community, that makes me put it more on Marvel and less on them. And it almost puts me in a zone where I don't really want to bitch about the special effects because it's like, I'm not trying to deride the artists here because clearly Marvel's not being the easiest person to work with, but there was some of that stuff and like I loved Miss Marvel, but dude, there was some of that CGI in that where it was just like this is this is yeah. CW level. Like And I kinda wonder if that's more just like budget, so of them being like, We can't It's gotta be. Or not that we can't, we don't want to put that kind of a tier you know, budget on on this series or whatever. And like She Hulk, you know, there are moments where I'm like, Oh, this doesn't look great. But like I I know what I'm there for. Like, and like, it, it's not, it's not ruining my experience. You know what I mean? Like oh, same. the last episode, like, I feel like there's a moment where she was, uh, talking with her, like lawyer business suit on. And like, I was really distracted by the suit itself. It looked really fake to me. Like the CGI on the suit itself just uh-huh. bothered. Me. But like, you know, it, it's such a minor thing to care about when oh, it comes absolutely. to the scheme of, of what we're watching. And so, yeah, I, I'm i having fun with it. Oh, totally. I, I'm and really if at the end of the day, the writing is there and it continues to be engaging on that front, like, I'm, I'm, I'm game. Yeah. I think, even though they're not really covering a lot, it feels like with She-Hulk, I think they are setting up a big thing with... Uh, the Illuminati. Like, I think that's going to be a big part coming forward. 
or not the Illuminati. Sorry, sorry. What am I? What are they called? The uh, now I'm drawing a blank. The they talked about them in the show. The the whatever website that's like conspiracy. Oh, the intelligentsia. Stuff. Intelligentsia. Thank you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> like Illuminati. What am I talking about? No. I was like, you think we're gonna see the six one six Illuminati? That'll be wild. <laughs> I was like, especially yeah. after they just made the last one like fucking clown shoes. Because it, it really feels like they're setting up characters that would be involved in that, like within other properties. And so I'm kind of curious if they are going that route. Oh, for sure. Especially um, with like them bringing back all of these people from the Hulk movie. Like there's no way they're not bringing back that guy. You know, I'm trying to be big in case. <laughs> <laughs> not that we haven't spoiled things, but yeah. Have you been watching Andor? Uh, I've seen the first three episodes. Ah, what'd you think? I'm liking it. It's, I mean, it's a, it feels like a slow burn, but like I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I, I really loved those first three episodes, and I felt like they had to drop three episodes to really get most people in. Because I think if they just done two, even people would have been like, "Oh, no fucking way!" Yeah, but and the they, third they one with that action that piece, you know, it was like WandaVision. I think they did that too, right? They dropped the first three, and like, and or it felt like the first three, like it, you, you, they kind of had to put those together so you got the full scope of what they're doing. Yeah, but and then the next two episodes, four and five, were definitely back to the slow burn. On, okay, on Andor. Um, but it's like I continue to love it. I think it looks amazing. All the 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 on on site, you know, shooting and stuff that they did. The the location shooting is fantastic, and and it, I'm just into this story of the the budding rebel alliance and having it be this really really dark gritty story in the same vein that Rogue One was. Yeah, sign me up. Yeah, I'm here for it. And honestly, I wasn't that enthusiastic about it. It's not that I was like, I don't care to watch it. I just was like, I was neutral. I was like, I will watch it. But like, there's nothing about it that's grabbing me. But I've, I've, I've enjoyed what I've seen so far. And I am, I don't know if Rogue One has grown to be more popular, but like, I feel like it was really hated when it came out. And I actually really enjoyed that movie. Oh yeah. I feel like people who hated on Rogue One, I was, I didn't know where the hell they were coming from. Where it's like, I understand you didn't like Felicity. Is that Felicity Jones? Was the, yeah. the lead in that? I understand that because she's potentially the most unlikable Star Wars lead in any movie. And like, I get that. But all the other characters are fucking awesome. So, yeah, this is okay with me. Um, yeah. I don't know if this is like a hot take, but like, I kind of feel like, too, the plot of this felt like this should have been what... Uh, obi-wan <laughs> this should have been obi-wan's story i don't know it just like it feels like this would have worked for him yeah i, I still enjoyed obi-wan but i could see a different version of that that would have been way better like because it it does bring up some problems with with bringing young leia into the story which while i thought it was cool to have young leia it's like this isn't the right pairing for it it just makes some of the the stuff in later episodes kind of weird that with with dialogue she says but i i'm a fan of the ip and for the most part i can suspend disbelief and and i still enjoyed obi-wan i still had it still did enough other stuff in it that was fucking great mostly with like the amount of vader that we got in it like i just mm -hmm. love super evil super powerful vader like it's 
That's, I was that character at its peak is so fucking scary. It did feel like we were barely going to see him in that show. Like we, we well, Hayden Christensen, Christensen, I should say. Like it felt like, why did they make a big deal about him coming back? If like, because like the, we only saw him for like milliseconds. I felt like for like half the show, and then they finally had like a flashback with them, and then you see him later on with a little bit more to to do <laughs> yeah well i think he did a lot of the scenes in the suit i think he's supposed to be in the uh ahsoka series too because i think on google's uh, fucking amazing cast thing i think they show him in there unless that's just a an accident dude give me more shit like did you ever see the the oh it was an episode it was a season finale episode of rebels might have been called like Twilight. Twilight of the. I mean, I, I is it the one where they like jump through the, the time traveling and stuff? No, it's the it's the one where Ahsoka fights Vader on top of that underground yeah, yeah, yeah. Sith temple. I'm I'm blanking on the name of the episode right now. Yeah, and then uh, what's but his name? Fucking incredible. Disappears or whatever. I can't think of his name. Ezra. Yeah, right. Ezra. Something. Uh, I, it's in a later season where Ezra disappears with. Uh, with uh, oh, okay with, okay uh, thrawn spoiler alert <laughs> for a series no, that's, that's a really, like that's fucking a really 10 years show. old or something i uh <laughs> yeah i'm really excited that they're bringing all those characters into the the live action stuff to see what they do it's kind of like they're just continuing the rebels with yes other titles yeah i'm excited about that too dude it's so cool because i always wanted to know where that story went in rebels and i was hoping to get either a follow-up you know, animated series that, that was going to tell it and the never in, a, in my wildest dreams did I imagine that, oh, they're going to continue this in live action to finish the story. Like, fucking amazing. What a world we live in, dude. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely crazy. <laughs> I got, it's like, I, uh, children should just be so glad that they have <laughs> these movies and shows <laughs> while they're kids. Because, like, I think... I think spider-man was like when i when did that come out 2001 was it yeah so like i was like near the end of high school when spider-man came out hmm. and that was like kind of like the start of the live action superhero movies at least for me yeah dude it's it's a fucking wild world we live in now it's so much different from when i was a kid um like i, I woke up this morning and I like had the melody of a song stuck in my head, and that was it. None knew none of the words, nothing. But I was like, I have to listen to this song, but I have no idea what it was. <laughs> and so the whole time, like taking my shower and getting ready for the morning, I'm like humming this song, and then I'm like, you know what? It's 2022. I can't be the only person that this is a problem for. And so I googled what is this melody, and sure enough, there are websites and apps. That you can hum a melody into and it will mm-hmm. give you its best guess. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was able to get the song figured out and listen to it several times this morning. And I was like, fucking yes. <laughs> Technology for the win. This is incredible. What was it? Oh, Jesus. What was it? Hold on a sec. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, it's some, some UK band from 2004 called Keen. And the song was Somewhere Only We Know. Oh, yeah, okay. I know yeah. that song. Yeah, it was just, I, for whatever fucking reason, I just woke up and it was in my head this morning. 
And and apparently it worked because now I can't think of anything about how it goes. And so I just had to listen to it a few times and then Somewhere it just... Somewhere <laughs> Is that it? You're going to put it back in there. Yes. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, I was hanging out with the cats this morning because, um, yeah, I, I got around, was listening to that, and then I went out to the garage and was climbing before work. I've, I've got a climbing wall out in my garage. And so I was climbing before work and... uh yeah, and so the cats were just kind of like watching me as I was like in between burns on the climbing wall, like singing along with this song. <laughs> Do you have like a, a cat, like a, what, like, what, I don't know, shelves and stuff next to it for the cats to oh, climb dude, with you? I've, I've got the garage set up for those cats. Like, I noticed that they were climbing up my storage shelves on one wall and then jumping up into the rafters. And so I built mm. a big ramp that goes from the top shelf of that storage shelf all the way up into the rafters. And then I made different walkways that go in between the different storage platforms that I have up overhead. So the cats can like explore all over up in there. They got places where they can go and hang out to where we can't get to them at all. Or if they want, they can just like <laughs> lounge out and like take a nap on one of the walkways. And do they, awesome. they love it. Like they're they are very happy kitties <laughs> out yeah, we, there. Uh, we're, we moved into this house uh, early this year. And so we've dedicated an entire room to the cats. Uh, and so like we, like we haven't done anything with it yet, but like I want to like make like a whole platform thing on the walls for them to excellent roam around the, you know, <laughs> the top of the, the room and stuff. And just like, yeah. And I've been wanting to like, make like a, a catio that like sticks out from the window so yes, like when it's I'm not do too hot too. i can <laughs> open the window and just let them outside because they're technically indoor cats and i'm just really cautious because like where we live people are very casual about running over cats and dogs oh, and it's same, like dude. i i'm not willing to let them be indoor outdoor cats because yeah. i had those cats when i was a kid and one day they leave the house and you'll never see them again. And and yeah. that's heartbreaking when it happens. Yeah. Uh, as a kid, like we never had pets and like we had like koi fish in a pond or something, but like we never had pets and like, I never understood why. And I, I finally figured out that like my, we did apparently have a cat when I was really young and it, uh, never came back one day. And like my mom was like saying something that like, there was apparently somebody in the neighborhood who hated cats. And so like they would basically kidnap people's cats and then take them far away and then just abandon them. Mm. Yeah, And so fucking terrible. We don't know if that's what happened, but like apparently <laughs> that's why we never had bets when I was older. And uh, I just, yeah, I guess I'm making up for it because I've got two dogs and five cats, and <laughs> five cats, dude. That's so wild. Well, I had a job that I, I moved here with my one cat autumn that I had in the bay. And then I had a job where I would pick up medical specimens, uh, and then bring them to the lab to get tested and all that stuff. And, uh, the stray population is terrible out here. It's just, there, there's, they're everywhere. And so a lot of the routes that I would take, uh, and pick up at, there would be cats. And like, so I think, uh, well, four of them – well, three of them I've gotten just from that job. 
one of them I got because I was bringing our dog to the vet and then somebody brought in this adorable kitten uh torty and so I was a sucker for that and then I that was <laughs> my birthday gift so that was Ridley and uh she's a tyrant so <laughs> tyrant you'll ever meet oh well, yeah so, both yeah. my cats were were strays that we adopted the they were kittens that were born under sheds and yeah, we we adopted them, and we we were just gonna have Jack, who's our domestic long hair, and and he's he's a total bitch of a cat, a very a total diva. Uh, <laughs> like he's he's perfected the judgy look, and he's just beautiful too. So he'll just sit and just like when he does like his little standing kitty, you know, like like sitting on his butt standing front mm. legs tail kind of wrapped around the front he just has the most imperious regal look on his face like he's just looking <laughs> down on everybody around him and judging every little thing they're doing but he's yeah. just so so pretty and he just loves he loves people like he loves attention he wants to if he had his way he would just be parked on your lap or carried around in a baby bjorn almost all day but then as soon as he didn't want to want to be there anymore he would immediately bite you hard enough to draw blood because that's what he does. Oh, that's how wow. he rolls. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, Jack, why are you such an asshole? You're such a pretty handsome boy. He goes by work hard, play hard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then Thor is like, he's our big chonky cat. And he's a domestic short hair. He's almost exactly a year younger than Jack. And and with him, it was like, he got caught in a humane trap. The, the friend of mine that caught him uh, tried to take it to a shelter. The shelter was just immediately going to euthanize it because it was quote unquote a feral cat. And oh, so then sad. they took it back and they tried to keep it for a few weeks. And then they figured out the hard way that they're not cat people. And so they put it up on Facebook saying, will anybody take this cat? And some of their friends were talking like, like, Oh, has it been declawed yet? And I'm like, I'm like, I commented that's on it. I'm like, please don't declaw cats. I'm like, let's see. Yeah. equivalent of cutting the tip of a person's fingers off. It's, it's inhumane and disgusting. And if you value your upholstery of your, your furniture over a cat, then don't get a fucking cat. Exactly. Because, oh, it scratched up my shit. It's like, it's a cat. It's going to fucking scratch shit. Even if you provide it with scratching posts, it's still going to scratch up some of your shit. That's just the unwritten yep. rule that you have, or the the, the, the unwritten agreement that, that you sign into when you adopt a pet like that. You know, it's going to make messes in your house. It's going to cost shit up. It's just part of the fucking deal. Yeah. And, and so anyway, that's how we got Thor. Because <laughs> I was like, telling my wife, I was like, nobody's going to take this beautiful little kitten. And so then we adopted him, and then um, uh, Thor eventually started having issues where I think it was like real extreme anxiety, because we've got a very small house, and and for the most part we keep our bedroom doors closed, and so the cats were limited to a very small portion of the house that didn't have very many hiding spots, and and Thor was just doing this thing where every once in a while he'd spend a few months shitting anywhere except for a litter box, hmm. and it it just got to be untenable, and so I straightened up the garage and and got it all turned it into like a perfect little cat habitat and moved him out there and then he was doing so well out there that i was like well let's see how jack does out there too and so then we moved him out and it's fucking they love it now it's it's great and, and That's like good in my garage is it's like my man cave so like i'm out there all the time and so, so it isn't like, you know, they're just abandoned out there. And, they, and like, I got like yeah. a dartboard hanging up, weight bench out there. There's like a full 
kitchen table and chairs. Like this is like a two stall garage that is not used <laughs> properly as a garage anymore. <laughs> but yeah, it's the the cats dig it out there. I I couldn't imagine having five of them though, dude. That is that's a lot of kitty cats. Yeah, I well, I mean, like I said, I I, sh- I showed up with one, and I'm not very good at uh, <laughs> <laughs> not wanting to save a cat. So, oh yeah, yeah. I, I tried doing the fostering, and that didn't work out very well at all. So that would I, just end I, up with me owning more pets because I'd be well, like, I don't know if I can give this thing away. Honestly, I probably would with the cat that I had because the first cat I tried to foster. Uh, I was really attached and probably would have wanted to adopt her, but, uh, we found out that she had a, like a bunch of fluid in her lungs. It was like four months after having her. And like, so basically she, she unhealed pretty quickly. it, It sucked because like we found out that the, the person in charge of the foster program, she seem to have known and that she was basically just trying to find her a home without saying that. Aww. And so like we went through like a lot of bills for the vet and all that stuff because like we didn't know what was going on. And yeah, it, it was, it was a really bad experience, but that's terrible. Yeah. So I've kind of stepped away from fostering because of that experience, but um, I hope they get back into it and just like find like a legitimate foster program that I can, use and you know because the there's plenty of cats that need homes you know so oh for sure dude that's really admirably good for you dude uh, she was really cool though she had like one eye and like <laughs> love a one-eyed cat <laughs> i mean i've never had a one-eyed cat like she was just, you know, she reminded me a lot of uh my first cat and like i don't know she was like really scared but like you could tell she wanted to be loved and she wanted the affection but she was very like hesitant, but like mm-hmm. I was, I was winning her over. Oh, <laughs> slowly but surely. <laughs> That's so, incredible. Actually, today I just uh, printed some pictures because I when we had her cremated and stuff, I made like a little like box whatever thing and had to put a picture in it for. Her. Aww, she's that's a, awesome. She's in my room, so she's part of the family. It's great, dude. Hey, it's been a, a great time talking with you tonight. Yeah. I'm just, I'm glad I'd actually went this long because that means that I'm not that boring. <laughs> oh, no, no. We just started scratching the surface on cats. I mean, we could probably talk for another hour. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been great having you on, though, dude. Um, uh, Where can people find you? Oh, uh, well, we got our podcast, my wife and I, it's, uh, called Dissecting This Fiction, and we cover pop culture, movies, TV, video games, you name it. Uh, we've been kind of on and off with the episodes lately, but we're trying to get back on track. We typically have once a week. Uh, and then as we talked about earlier, I do Twitch streaming for, uh, mostly Halo, but I actually ventured into since it's October, uh, doing Resident Evil, the remake from, uh, GameCube era. So I I just finished that one and I'm probably going to jump into Resident Evil zero. So if anyone cares to watch me, be really bad at a survival horror game. <laughs> I'll probably be playing that one next. There you go. Check Otherwise, it out. Otherwise, Halo. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll be doing Halo, throwing sticky grenades on people. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> 
Well, thank you all very much for listening. Until next time, this has been Starkcast.